0: Thank you.
1: Connor Chronicles. Hmm. Didn't get to see Zandler.
0: He wasn't allowed in. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that.
1: So, ready to kick it off? So, hello, listeners. You thought you got rid of us, <laughs> but you did not. We are back. This is Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast, and uh, usually we're a podcast that's going to talk about a horror movie. Oh, last week, well, two weeks ago, we had a comedian,
2: Mm. a
1: famous writer.
2: We we peaked, but we're still going.
1: Yeah, you know, we just had to take a week off to cool our heels, and we're back. Uh, We do sometimes spoil the movies Uh, this week. We'll probably go easy on the spoilers, since maybe um, there's no warning to have watched something that we've watched. Uh, we're not professional critics, so don't expect that. And um, we're just going to kind of catch up a little bit here, and then uh, next week we'll talk about a movie, but this week, catching up with your hosts. I'm Richard, I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolian. Hello. And Dana Gould's not here. No. So if you got used to that, if that was your first episode, mm-hmm. well... It's all downhill from here. Yeah. So a lot of people probably listened to that one and said... Oh, these guys are good. <laughs>
2: yeah, as long as we shut up and let him talk.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, did either one of you Google the uh, back of the Kiss Alive album?
2: I did not. No, I, I looked at it and, yeah. They're dudes. Yeah, you can see photos of them when they're older as well.
1: Yeah, they're just not girls like they looked.
2: Like, I couldn't remember it that, that yeah. well, so.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's like one of those things I, I totally want to do like a mashup of, of that picture, but just like superimpose different things over it, but I'm probably not going to do that. <laughs> too much other stuff to draw. So what have you guys watch since we saw Dana and did our thing?
0: A lot. A yeah, lot? me too. I,
1: yeah. got, I got a few movies down, but uh, probably not as much as you guys. I had to travel a bit.
0: Yeah. You went to uh, Seattle?
1: Yeah. Emerald city comic-con four day event.
0: Wow. How was it?
1: felt like five. <laughs> well, actually I didn't go in for setup. I just showed up for kickoff of the whole thing and then breaking it down on Sunday is really uh, interesting. Cause you don't know what it's going to be. You know, like how much stuff is left. Yeah. But I help a friend who sells Funko pops. So if you look up plastic empire, you could see his stuff. Uh, he's on Instagram. Um, Yeah, it was interesting. It was really cool. It was a weird end of an aisle that wasn't like a through aisle either direction. So we didn't see as much cosplay as we did before. Ah. But there was this really cool couple that did uh, uh, Vincent and Jules from uh, Pulp Fiction. Nice. (laughs) So we chatted quite a bit about all the uh, stuff from the movie that you could actually get. Like, we both had the bad motherfucker wallet. And I told them how to go about getting the ceramic kangaroo that... Which it's grabs his watch? Too bad from. you
0: you didn't sell them one. I know. I should have. Should just been like, I will send you one. Yeah. Here's you a pay shipping.
1: Yeah. Here's a picture of it. But it was kind of funny. They they were a really cool couple. Um, there were a lot of people there in costume. I was telling Jolien on the drive over that uh, there was a Thor, uh, Ronald McDonald mashup, but he was hulked out like muscle like suit like the Hulk. Hmm. But it was. It was really crazy, and he didn't get close enough for me to get a picture. And my phone is all like, "Memory's full. I'm gonna take a picture." So, wouldn't have gotten one anyway. But, uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot to talk about with the con, but um, I don't want to get too Ronald
0: long. McDonald Thor mashup.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was just kind of weird, right?
0: Yeah, that's a new one to me.
1: And a little kid dressed up like a xenomorph. I mean, like a. Three or four year old. Wow, that is cool. And then the next day there was another little kid. I don't think it was the same you kid. Mean
2: like a Xenomorph from it came alien from out space. Oh, alien. Alien. Okay. Sorry, no, yeah. that's not so impressive. Oh no. No, because
1: <laughs> no, you could probably buy that costume.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but for, for <laughs> a three year old. <laughs> yeah, I mean he looked pretty evil. I've never seen someone cosplay the xenomorphs from it came from outer space. So. No, nobody's done that it, one. People,
1: I think you're right. That would be kind of cool. Uh, yeah, there's there's a, the only way they get you with obscurity at these cons is some stupid video game character you've never heard of. Oh yeah. Or anime. Or an, an anime <laughs> like there's only about a, what about a million animes now?
2: Mm-hmm. At least.
1: Yeah, and the characters look so different from each other. You never know.
2: I am into anime, but <laughs> like uh, the the really popular series that I I don't watch. Yeah, there's just too much of it.
1: The market's flooded, really. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's we'll, we'll circle back around to Comic-Con stuff in a bit, but uh uh
2: Julian, what have you watched? What's uh, the <laughs> so la- last couple I watched uh I watched this uh, uh Tom of Finland. So, it's a, a biopic about uh Toko Lukinson Um you, you know him? No. Yeah.
1: Is he the guy who made Tom's Shoes?
2: No, Tom or Tom from, of
0: May. They're really Oh <laughs> well, that's right. Uh, no, he's a, a erotic artist. Homo
2: erotic yeah. artist. Oh, maybe they're I do know who this super, is. You've seen them. They're yeah, super idealized, seen... like muscular uh, like leather boys and mm-hmm. guys in uniform and yep. things like tight that. Tight jeans. Just, yeah, not... just ridiculously tight. Yeah. Uh beautifully drawn, amazing yep. artwork. I've seen it, yeah. But you know, as with most biopics about artists, you get like five seconds them actually uh, making doing something what made, made them famous and made them make the film about them in the first place but it, it goes from when he's in a, a soldier in World War Two. oh wow which in Finland was a very interesting position <laughs> wow because they switched sites like three times oh, oh. Got... I'm, I'm not, not because they're like a bunch of scum but they're you know they're caught in between Germany and Russia mm-hmm. who both yeah. wanted to just stomp all over them and take all their land. And right. So they were like switching sides to keep either side out. Yeah. Um,
1: if you ever watched Hogan's Heroes, you would uh, you would know that the big threat that uh, I think it was General Hochstetter would uh, threaten uh, Colonel Klink was to send him to the Russian front.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: that was the big threat.
2: Oh, God, it was so horrible. But uh, anyway, um, so, it goes, so there's a lot of sadness to of course, because it goes... It starts in World War Two and ends up in you know him being involved in the uh, gay scene and, and then goes into it in the eighties and then he, he you know he made it into the nineties but uh, but you know as it, it ends on a high note with you know he's he's in a very repressive country mm-hmm. and in the in the fifties coming out with this art right and uh, uh, but then his his fantasy. He's invited over to America by these guys who like, found his stuff and they've started printing underground zines. Right. And uh, so he comes over to America and suddenly like he's surrounded by his own creations. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's was, it was quite fun to see. But...
1: It's like the village people, but they've been working out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Thor Ragnarok we watched. That was quite fun. It's it kind of like uh, what if the Lego movie was done with real people. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a very... It's very, uh, you know, it's comedic, but it, it does it. It pays off with like spectacle and drama and right. so on. But a lot of it is just comedy. Like Jeff Goldblum is in it. Oh, yeah, guy who runs this gladiatorial contest and space and yeah, it, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, so we watched. Uh, you watched the bees, didn't you? You caught yes. up with the bees. I watched
0: the bees. How'd you like the bees? I loved the bees. The bees were good. Them honky tonkin' bees. (laughs) Yeah. They won at the end too, so
1: (laughs) That's all you could ask for.
2: Yeah. The bees. (laughs) Recommendations. Have you seen it?
1: Uh, I don't believe I've well, if I have, I haven't seen it. It's on on Shudder since I was (laughs) twelve.
2: It's on Shudder and it's waiting for you. Okay. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw it a long time ago.
1: Made for TV movie. No, 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 not made for TV. Killer oh, Bee this, movie from the 70s. That's, that's right. Uh,
2: there is a, a made-for-TV one, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. I'm sure.
1: I think it was called Killer Bees. Killer Bees, yeah. <clears throat> yep. Chasing Evil Knievel and Muhammad Ali turning into a big
2: fist. Um, I watched uh, Godzilla again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched Apaches, which is like this uh, legendary British um, like public information film about half mm-hmm. an hour have you heard of that no, no. Apaches
1: about helicopters or no. Native Americans
2: this is from 1977 so in the 70s that and um, in Britain there's a whole bunch of safety films aimed at children and uh-huh. like in school you'd be brought into assemblies and things and they'd show you yeah one of these films it'd be like don't get picked up by strangers and yeah like that. Apaches you have a group of like half a dozen kids who like to play cowboys and Indians and Starsky skin Hutch and stuff But they play it. They go out to this farm and they run around pretending to shoot each other and so on. And uh, one by one, they'll die horrible deaths on this farm. They fall into machinery. They fall into pits of slurry.
1: Why? Just because they weren't being safe? Yeah. Yeah. They were playing... They're
2: playing in a very dangerous area. Oh. England. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, it is really chilling... It, uh, the, the 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 way the girl dies is just incredibly creepy. I I've I've uh, yeah I've been at showings of this where people have just like nope they can't go past that point.
1: Just get up and leave.
2: Yeah, it's it's very disturbing. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it was directed by John Mackenzie, who did the long the Long Good Friday, oh. an excellent gangster flick with Bob Hoskins. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, so watch that. Um, uh, the Death Kiss, 1932.
0: Don't know this. Okay, I don't so th- think
2: so. This is directed by uh, Edward Marin, who did uh, Invisible Agent. Uh, I watched it because of sees Lugosi's in it. Oh, okay. Uh, he plays a studio manager. It's not a horror movie, really. It's a murder mystery. So he's, he's, he's <clears> at the <throat> studio where someone's killed off on camera. And... Uh, the director of the film in the film is Edward Van Sloan, so okay, another right. Dracula uh, graduate. Um, then you have got uh, David Manners, who's also in Dracula as the as the hero. He's this he's this rude jerk, and amateur sleuth, uh, and you you've got all these <laughs> ethnic stereotypes and uh, gay stereotypes and. and uh, uh, but it's quite in, it's quite interesting touches like it cuts in shots of what he the hero's thinking huh. and it, it won't like it doesn't set them up as a separate space or time it just like it'll flash into what he's thinking and then carry huh. on with the scene and there's brief uses of colour tinting for like flames and things like that hmm. so it's quite enjoyable you know it's a short little B mystery yeah. uh, that was on just about everything I saw was on Shudder mm-hmm. um, oh okay
1: not not hating that shutter, huh
2: no, um, yeah, I'm trying to watch everything I haven't seen before on Shutter. um <laughs> this is a great line by um uh this, this guy and it says um uh, it, it, someone gets poisoned to death, and this what this fella says is uh, boy that guy could that guy would drink anything that wasn't too thick to chew." Oh wow. <laughs> which doesn't make sense really but anyway he's he's this character named gully he's portrayed by vince barnett who was this prankster and he's in tons of stuff he, he's always this support character yeah been in, in real life as well he was hired as a prankster at hollywood parties huh this guy was just a legend and he, he'd uh he'd he'd come in in disguise he'd, he'd be a detective or he'd be some Eastern European royalty or something like that yeah and he, this guy was pranking like May West Clark Gable nice huh yeah. very interesting character I uh, also saw a Soul Station Soul Yok, which is the uh, anime prequel to Train to Busan mm-hmm. have you seen that oh one? no I've not how'd you like it? yeah it's quite quite well done
1: Does it It, seem to fit the uh, the world?
2: Yeah, yeah, it it goes darker, obviously it fits in before the events of the second film, so you know it's not going to be too happy. But
1: well, you know that was the major complaint about Train to Busan; it was too
2: light. (laughs) So you know, yeah. Well, I mean, it's got the same sort of relationship with a man and a younger girl, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the same director. Uh, check it out. I also saw Fast Times at Ridgemont High.
1: Had you not seen it before? No,
2: never. Oh. But I've I've heard about it so much. Yeah. It's this kind of American, yeah, rite of passage movie. And you've seen that? Yeah, a long time ago.
1: I think I rewatched bits and pieces of it when it was on just randomly on cable. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, here's the scene where this happens. And I know the movie by heart. Yeah, I've seen it a hundred times. I've only
2: seen the scene where Phoebe uh, Cates gets out of a swimming pool. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: it's probably the
0: only scene you need, right? Pretty, <laughs> pretty
1: is, much that. And uh, Damone saying, uh, no, I don't have any blue oyster cult. Where were you last week <laughs> when I had 50 fucking pair? <laughs> Which I love that scalper kind of mentality. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, it's got uh, a debut of our Nicolas Cage. Yes. Yep. He's yep. On screen for about one second yeah. total.
1: And that, isn't that Courtney Gaines, the kid that flips you off in 50 different languages? The the redhead that jumps out of the van and he just does all those hand motions and slapping his hips. And I don't know. I think, I think he is in that it's one. He's
2: got Brian Bakker who's in The Burning oh. and Pamela Springsteen who's in Sleepaway Camp 2 and 3 mm. and Forrest Whitaker's in it. Oh, yeah. As his football hero.
1: Yeah, he's he's the, the guy That's who, right. Yeah. Yeah, he's the, the older brother of the one kid. Did you like the way Spicoli handled uh, repairing the, the car they messed up? <laughs>
2: yeah, so that was quite fun. I yeah. That one. Uh, Murder Obsession, Giallo, 1980, Riccardo Frieda. Uh, he 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 was like the first Italian horror director. He did Ivan Piri oh, okay. with uh, Mario Bava. Um, this one's also known as la sessione uccide uh, deliria murder syndrome fear the wailing <laughs> um, Wow got um, so you've got, um, so you've got uh, this um giallo actor who's a bit too into playing a murderer Mm-hmm. who goes to kind of chill out at his mother's country home, in supposedly in Surrey, England. Okay. But, you know, it's No yeah. way. Um, I don't know why they said it in England. Um, and he has flashbacks to his boyhood, and his father looks just like him.
1: Hmm. His
2: father is dead, possibly at his hands. The mother is a wee bit too passionate for his, her kid to come home. mm kind of missing his identical father a bit too much. Yeah. Uh, he's not too keen on his girlfriend. The, the butler's creepy. The electricity is dodgy. Uh, and a bunch of his filmmaking cronies, and including actresses, turn up. So you can guess where it goes from there. It's a checklist, really. Yeah. So you've got an invisible man, a killer in black gloves, nightmare zombie monks, uh, giant rubber spiders, giant rubber bats... <laughs> They uh, got a real rooster getting chopped. Um, the dog's okay though. Uh, you don't get the first murder in until almost an hour into the movie of a What? ninety-seven minutes, but but then they pile up
0: oh, like man. every
2: four minutes, boom, 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 and it's like a chainsaw axe. You know, it has a burst of energy. Um, there's this like a uh, blasphemous restaging of uh, you know Michelangelo's Pietà. mm mm-hmm. That's restaged at the end under very um, yeah, different circumstances. Um He's got Anita, Anita Strindberg in it plays the mother. Uh Stefano Patrizzi uh Laura Gemser is in it, playing Beryl all all things. Uh John Richardson, you know, Diabolic. Okay. He plays oh, okay, He plays Oliver the Chainsaw Butler.
1: Well, <laughs> the chainsaw butler. Yeah. Or in England,
2: what would you call him? Oh, everyone. Every home has them. Well, yeah. yeah we, we just call them butlers. But you weren't yeah, allowed. Yeah, just to, butler. Yeah, because you
1: weren't allowed to call them chainsaw butlers for, what, about 12, 14 years there. Um, I just had to take a quick look because I thought I wasn't right on that about the red headed guy who will flip you off in 50 languages. It was actually Eric Stoltz. Really? Oh. And Anthony Edwards was in this movie, uh, Fast yeah. Times. And my favorite Martian, Ray Walston.
2: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yeah so he's, Mr. Hand is the teacher.
1: Yeah. Mr. Hound. Yeah. that was a whole bunch of people who went on.
2: So I have got a bunch more to go. Do you want to
1: Um we got time. I mean Yeah, go for this it. This is what we're I doing mean, this time. Do you want
2: to take a turn? I, I'll
1: or? take a turn. Um the transfiguration. Did, did you watch this I one? I didn't
0: get a chance to watch this. Okay.
1: This one um This one was on uh, Netflix uh yeah the transfiguration it's a 2016 film about a young boy who lives in the projects of new york city a very dangerous place you can tell that there's gang members who are pretty much in charge of what's going on in the building in the neighborhood
2: so it reminds you of home
1: <laughs> i was lucky not to be too chicago. close to the projects yeah. in chicago uh taking a wrong turn and driving through the projects you learn a lot uh but yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one uh, because the boy, uh, you kind of find out early in the film, uh, very early in the film, that he's obsessed with vampires. He doesn't dress like one. He doesn't act like one for the most part, but he watches old VHS tapes of old vampire movies and... He draws pictures and writes things about vampires, and he's really fascinated. And if I had to guess, I'd say he's somewhere between 12 and 15. I can't say for sure looking at him. He's not a big kid, but he just walks around with like a striped shirt and a backpack. He just looks like a normal kid. Um, the guys in his particular building that hang around at the entrance or down in the corner, they're just awful people, and you know, they're gangsters. They're up to a lot of no good. And uh, there's a girl who moves in, And she really sticks out because she's like the only white girl in the whole area. And her mean old white grandpa lives up on whatever floor. And they kind of hit it off and become friends. And they don't do a lot of adventures together, but they do meet up several times for some different stories. But um, basically, uh, they're kind of equals in the sense that they're both outcasts and you know kind of strangers in this strange land and uh i can't talk about it too much without giving things away but uh when the boy goes out on certain adventures he comes back with um property and money not property like land but you know personal property and uh money and he just seems to be socking it away for who knows what and this girl doesn't like her situation and wants out of it and this boy and his older brother lost their parents and they're kind of on their own in a sense. I mean, they have to do what they have to do to get by, but they're just living in an apartment in the projects and it's, it's bleak. But there's something exciting about it that keeps it moving forward that you don't feel like bummed out at at its bleakness, or at least I didn't. So I'd be interested to see what either one of you think of it. Um, the Transfiguration, okay. 2016.
2: So it reminds me of Martin. You know... Is this kind of decaying yeah. America and...
1: Yeah. And is he or isn't he a vampire? Yeah. Right. Which I haven't seen, but that's all I know oh, about. Oh,
2: okay. yeah. great. Great, yeah. yeah. Have you seen that? Uh-uh. oh. is Martin? Martin? George Romero.
1: Yeah, he, uh, no. he directed that one well after um, Night of Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Never it seen seven, it. 74? 76, yeah. Oh, 76. Um, this one was an official selection at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, writer director Michael O'Shea. This is his first feature length movie, so it, it's really I like it. It's it's dark, it's bleak, but there's violence. I mean, <coughs> you know, the, it's, okay. So the, it's one of those. Um, the transfiguration. Yeah, yeah. Give it a look. It's on Netflix. I should write it down. At least it was last I looked. Um, Will, did you want to take a turn, or do you want me to no, do another go one? Go
0: ahead, do another one. Uh,
1: we went, <coughs> we went and saw I Tanya. How was mm. it? I really enjoyed it. the The approach. Uh, did you see Julian? No. You might really dig this one. The approach is interesting because it's done like a series of interviews, but it's not interviews with the actual people. It's interviews with the actors playing those people. So you really get. Um,
2: it's just kind of spinal tap of ice skating.
1: <laughs> I wish it was funnier like that, but the characters basically being a pack of dumbasses make for some really funny scenes and and i've told you before and for any listeners who are new i used to live in the back right apartment in a building uh in quarter idaho and the guy who actually smacked nancy kerrigan in the knee uh shane stant lived in the front left apartment so uh i knew who he was i knew him well enough having had several conversations with him that it was really funny when my sister called up and said That guy that was in your apartment building, he's the one that hit the ice skater. (laughs) And so anyway, uh, it was interesting to see uh, all the events leading up to that, because we all kind of heard the story through the news Mm -hmm. and through, you know, people appearing on shows like Maury Povich or whatever. Uh, You would see like bits and pieces of the story. But, you know, to know that this was researched and probably embellished quite a bit. Uh, but to see the story play out in, in a pretty linear fashion was very interesting. And one of the guys they keep coming back to is the guy who was running that show called the hard copy. Yeah. Which was that news magazine entertainment sleaze show uh, at one point, And this is almost a spoiler to say this, but at one point he's talking about one of the characters in this whole situation. And he says, I think he says something like this guy is the biggest boob in a story completely populated by nothing but boobs. (laughs) So, you know, it's like, they're just the dumbest worst people uh, outside of Tanya Harding, who I think was an awesome person in a lot of ways. But I think a lot of people around her were just the worst people. Um, And it of course depends on who you believe. I don't know. I haven't met her mom, but uh, if she's, one tenth as bad as she's portrayed, then <laughs> she's just an awful person. <laughs> uh, but uh, Margot Robbie plays Tanya Harding. You would not recognize her from having seen her in that um, uh, what was that a horrible uh, suicide, suicide Squad. suicide squad, right? Mm. Yeah, she looks so different. and I don't know if she like worked on her leg muscles to be a you know skater looking person, but if you if you watch the credits, you see that there's a lot of uh, skater doubles for the actors. Yeah. Her in particular I think she had two or three. Um but yeah this um this movie um interesting thing about it uh I don't have the cast list here but Allison Janney was the one who played her mom. Yeah. Um I believe she was Let's see. I got some notes like I don't really care about the Oscars. Um but she did get best supporting actress uh, Alison Janney did for I, Tonya, oh, okay. which I thought was pretty cool. So it was a good story. I mean, uh, to see this whole thing and, and just sort of the, the poor conditions that people come from to, to be like the best in the world at something. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. Or not. It's a recommend. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's, that's one. Um, do you want, do you want
0: to do one? Sure. Uh, what? what did we watch this week? We watched altered carbon.
1: Okay, how are you with this so far?
0: I liked it. We finished it. We blew through it. The whole thing pretty quickly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Was it eight or ten? Ten episodes. Ten
0: episodes, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. If you like cyberpunk Mm -hmm. from the '80s,
1: mixed with a Westworld kind of budget. Yeah.
0: It looks good.
1: I like it. Um, I'm struggling a little bit with it because I'm confused as to the motivations of some characters. But this is the point at which I usually don't care. Yep, Just, just let go. don't
0: worry about it. Just, <laughs> just go for it. Just let go. <laughs> let go. It will sort of make sense at the end.
1: Good. Good to know.
0: Uh, I mean, it'll make sense as far as the world goes.
1: Do you think this benefits from the interest in the new Blade Runner movie?
0: I wondered that. We also watched one called Mute, which is also on Netflix, yeah. which is uh, not quite as far in the future, but shared a lot of the same design elements uh, yeah, along with Jones. yeah Duncan Jones who did moon and I don't know what else he's done a couple now yeah um, I don't know that I've seen any of the others but moon
1: did you um, do you watch the ritual yet
0: I've not watched the ritual Jolian have you watched it you yep. watched the ritual
1: yeah I, I, I watched it, but I was pretty tired, and I feel like I would have gotten more out of it. So I'm going to do a rewatch on it. But that was that was a good, uh, a good she effort. She liked it. Yeah. yeah, it's got Noel from uh, Shaun of the Dead. You remember the guy that works at the electronics shop? Oh, okay. Who's like 17? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Noel. That that I figured out after about my eighth viewing of the movie that he's the one that's calling with Ed.
2: Yeah. On the phone. Oh. Because
1: because he because he picks up the phone that's ringing while Sean's trying to talk and he goes, hello mate. And that's the same way, uh, Ed says it. And uh, he, he keeps saying like, they're looking for weed. He keeps saying, no, I got nothing. So it's like, yeah. it's them on the search for weed. Oh, like
2: okay. yeah. Ed's
1: trying to get some for him and Noel wants to buy it. But anyway, Noel's in it. So yeah. All right. I digress, believe it or not.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. We saw a uh, mute as well. Uh, so th- is that a recommend? Yeah, we liked it. It's got uh, Alexander cool. Skarsgård, who's uh, the legend of Tarzan. Tarzan, mm-hmm. And Justin Theroux. And, and both of them are, were in the Zoolander movies.
1: Mm-hmm. Paul Rudd. Which
2: also featured David Bowie, who is <laughs> right. the father of Duncan Jones, the director. Uh, <laughs> Paul Rudd, yeah. Uh, he's really good, isn't yeah. he? Um, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's kind of like... Uh, uh the Alec Gould character out of Mesh,
0: Exactly, that's exactly who I kept thinking of. Yeah. He's he's uh yeah.
2: Yeah, it's set in this like uh America's involved in some other Middle East war and so there's lots of uh American soldiers are on the run from it and, and like so there's little searches for them in Germany. In Neo Berlin. Yeah. yeah trying to catch all these AWOL soldiers. And he, he's, like, this plastic surgeon who's, who's, like, fixing up gangland, Yeah. Injuries. And Ooh. <laughs> to get the money to get out of it.
1: That sounds pretty cool.
2: Yeah. And then, uh, and of course, like a, like Blade Runner, just about every woman in it is a sex worker of some kind. Yeah. Which is you know, kind of disappointing. Um, <clears throat> it's got a couple of Bowie tracks in it. Did you know, uh-huh. this? Yeah.
1: When's the last time you watched Zoolander?
2: I don't think I've seen it all the way through. I bought no. a copy for Emily because Bo is in it. But...
1: Right. Yeah, he does a good job. Yeah, I like. So um, I've seen
2: his bits. Yeah.
1: What's okay? What's the TV show where half the population just vanishes? Um...
0: Left behind.
1: <laughs> nope. Uh, what is the... Lost? No. God, what the, the... missing. <laughs> No God, there's a lot of them. Aren't there? The Rapture, the
0: Rapture. See,
1: it's a movie where the Rapture or something like it happens. Okay.
0: The Rapture or something.
1: <laughs> anyway, the guy who's in that who plays the sheriff. Oh, that one guy who's in that show. <laughs> yeah, that guy. He is the Walking Dead. He's the DJ. It's easier if I just look up Zoolander. Uh, but, <laughs> but he's the DJ in Zoolander, and you would never know. The One Hundred. Nope. <laughs> there are a lot of these movies and the TV shows. Holy wow! Uh, left below. Let's see, <laughs> the left cheek sneak. Um, um, let's see. <laughs> let's see. Zoom half, up. half. That sounds good. I think it was less than half the population. Less
0: than half. Less than zero. <laughs>
1: fewer, fewer than Lost we thought. weekend. Justin Thoreau. Okay, this is oh, yeah. yeah. He was the evil DJ who keeps playing "Relax" by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. So uh Yeah, it's him.
0: Fuck Mommy 2017. <laughs> Was he in that? What what is this show or TV?
1: Justin Thoreau. God, what the hell? I don't know why I draw a blank on things like this that I've watched all of it. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm. Justin it Longmire. <laughs> yeah. I'm just naming shows now. <laughs> Sesame Street. Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> Dipsy Was it- Dog
1: deputy yeah that's
0: mr rogers neighborhood yeah ricochet rabbit i know i got it it was alf
1: exactly yeah, let's see justin Thoreau, for fuck's sake okay hey he's five foot nine
2: <laughs> how <laughs> about that oh, wow uh,
1: who knew i mean he looks taller on tv uh the leftovers
0: the leftovers I've never seen or heard of that.
2: It's a horror series on the Food Channel. <laughs> mm.
0: Do no, you dare no. eat it? What is it? It's not marked. It's just in foil.
2: <laughs> uh, so did you uh, actually see Blade Runner 2049?
0: I've not seen Blade Runner 2049. Have you? Yeah. It's really good. That's what I've we heard. I really
2: liked it. It's kind of...
0: But... I'm one of the few people who don't care for Blade Runner. Oh, right, right. Regular. Yeah.
2: I liked it better than the, uh, the original in terms of, like, a, uh, the original is just, like, ravishing production Yeah, design. exactly, Amazing. yeah. Uh, and great cast. And, of course, Rutger Howard mm-hmm. came out with those great lines. Yeah. Which his, he... Of his own accord. He ad-libbed, right, or he uh, wrote them,
1: whatever, yeah.
2: But, yeah, uh, I think this one works better uh, from... Denis Villeneuve, who did uh, Sicario and Arrival. Yeah. They're both good movies. Uh, it's got Ryan Gosling. Harrison Ford turns up in it. Uh, As Han
0: Solo, right? Yeah. <laughs> an
2: aged Han Solo. Uh, <laughs> Anna Damas from Knock Knock. Uh, David Bautista, he's in it near the start. He's he's very good. Uh, Sean Young is kind of in it.
0: As an aged Han Solo.
2: Yeah. Uh, Jared Leto, Edward James Olmos is not it briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Earth is even more of a graveyard. Like the first one, it's just packed. Mm-hmm. There's just detail everywhere, all that yeah. great amoebous stuff. And, yeah. And this one, it's more of a, they play with space. It's more of, it seems like more of a wasteland. Things have mm. gone and, you know, the rich people have gone. Uh, so When's Earth f- is When's the
0: original one take place? Like 20
2: Next year, I think, twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen. So this one I was one... going to say it was twenty seventeen, but this one feels more like uh, they're going for like a Tarkovsky vibe, you know, like Stalker or something. Yeah. Okay. Like uh, especially where where it's composition with like uh, there's a figure in a landscape and something on fire behind them, and mm. um, yeah, it's beautiful images. I think uh, Roger Deakins got the Oscar for director of photography at last. This year, um, and the score is by Hans Zimmer and Benjamin Warfish. Uh Yeah, I really liked it. It's kind of just
0: trippy. Yeah, have to just check it out, go yeah.
2: with it. It's beautiful looking. <clears throat> um, yeah, so we saw that.
1: It was on my really want to see list, and then it just it just keeps escaping me. I yeah,
2: it's on on disc now.
1: Oh, cool. Probably want to own that one. I I'm I'm one of the people that does like Blade Runner. um mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, i watched it loads of times. Have Which had,
1: version? Um, the one where you start Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. <laughs> Have you heard of this? I'm not even kidding. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's called Wish You Were Here Blade Runner.
0: That's not very creative.
1: Apparently, it syncs up nicely.
0: Better than The Wizard of Oz and Dark Side of the Moon?
1: That syncs up pretty well. I've done that one, but uh, I don't know because I haven't tried it.
0: But, Better than an ounce of weed in any movie and soundtrack you can put together? <laughs>
1: You know, that's a fair point because the length of a scene of a movie and the length of a song, and they both have rhythms.
0: Although I have to say the Dark Side and the Oz thing worked
2: really well even before I smoked weed. (laughs) (laughs) I bet you could sync up Blade Runner with any given Kraftwerk album.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was like William Burroughs' big thing was putting movies and music together. Okay.
1: And we oh. and we discussed that briefly on another episode, and I.
0: If you I, take "Fuck Mummy" twenty seventeen, <laughs> it lines up with any
2: <laughs> the fall album any, you can any, pick, any, any Tiny Tim, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, any discordant, chaotic, uh, you know, unprofessional nonsense album you could think of. A bunch of chimps with a xylophone. That'll sync right up to Fuck Mummy 2017. Uh, So. uh, What else do you watch? Me? Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Uh, uh, One that we may talk about next week. Um, It Stains the Sands Red. Mm. Okay. This one is on Shudder. Yeah. I believe. And um, because I always forget because I have both Shudder and Netflix on the iPad. So when I went to Seattle, I thought, you know... I'm not sure what Dustin's got for devices at this show and what's going to get a signal, but I always notice that the old iPad, when we're selling our stuff at one of the handmade fairs or craft fairs or whatever, um, the old iPad always seems to catch a signal. It's running on 3G, and I don't know what the hell that even means, but everything else is on 4-something. It's or one
0: four. less than 4.
1: Yeah. So maybe less people are, uh, or I should say, maybe fewer people are using... 3g these days maybe Maybe. that's why i can catch a signal with it so when you're running a purchase uh you run square through your ipad and a lot of times you stand there and stare at it wondering if it's gonna actually go through and there's no bars in the corner telling you if you've got a strong signal or weak signal you just sit there and watch the thing spin and uh so i brought this thing with luckily i did because we used it the whole damn time in the booth selling funko pops and that's a whole other story, um, yeah. That's quite Funko Pop. It's quite the quite the fan base that that brand of toy has. Those collectors are uh, rabid, to say the least. It's bizarre. So they introduced a chromed Batman Funko Pop. He's chromed either green or blue. You had to win a lottery to get a pass around your neck or on a bracelet or on your phone to get through the line to buy one for fifteen dollars. Wild guess how much they're selling for on eBay. Mm, Go ahead.
2: 200. Julian? Yeah, I'd, I'd have said about 100. <laughs> um, on the same day.
1: Well, before they were even in anyone's hands, 5 and $600. <sighs> I repeat, 5 and $600 for a $15 bat- chromed Batman, Batman who's been vacuum formed, <laughs> either vacuum formed or, or dipped in chrome paint. Um, I know. So you know, Dustin's goal was like to get as many Batmans. Yes, Batmans is the plural as possible. Um, And there were people who were like, yeah, I'm going. I just want the baseball guy. I don't care about the rest of them. And you would be like, "Uh, I'll pay for your baseball guy if you buy a Batman. Mm. They're like, okay, I'm stupid. And if any of you are listening, I'm sorry (laughs) that you're stupid.
0: So (laughs) did you you snag one of these Batmans? No. Oh, yeah.
1: That would be like trying to I don't know, snag a greased pig, <laughs> only harder. So, yeah, this, this whole thing, how did I digress off onto that? Because that's what I do. Um, so had the iPad with me, and we were running purchases on it. And I'm thinking, well, we get back to the B&B, which is facing the back of the convention center, which couldn't have been more convenient. Um, walk to the end of the two-and-a-half-block stretch, take a hairpin turn, and you're in front of the building where the B&B was. Perfect. You know, not all that nonsense of how do you get to and from the event? Yeah, Uh, you walk. So um, there was a uh, so there was a time where the thing just needs to charge back up for the next day. And then I, you know, feel like, well, I don't know what they got on their tv fire stick thing so i'm just gonna use the the wi-fi password I know how they
0: watch tv here in seattle
1: yeah i don't know it's all like a yeah, tech virtual
0: city. reality or something <laughs> yeah. now i don't know yeah
1: you have to put on this suit with all these sensors on it yeah and so i'm like fuck that i'm gonna just watch the ipad so i decided all right i'm gonna watch that movie that's uh maybe a different take on zombies it stains the sands red um And I'll read the blurb from, I think, Rotten Tomatoes. In the throes of a zombie apocalypse, Molly, a troubled woman from Las Vegas, finds herself stranded in the desert with a lone ravenous zombie on her trail. At first, she's easily able to outpace the undead pursuer, but things quickly become a nightmare when she realizes the zombie doesn't need to slow down or stop or rest. Running low on supplies and beat down on the harsh environment. Blah, 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 blah. This could be spoilers, so I'm not going to read anymore. Um, I like the look of it. I liked the different kind of a thing where it's just it's not a zombie horde it's one relentless zombie is this some sort of an allegory about the male gaze and the male pursuit yeah is it
2: (laughs) which one yeah the woman and the zombie
0: (laughs) the woman and the zombie yeah
1: yeah well i guess Aesop was ahead of his time Mm. i like the one where the was it a crow that was dropping the pebbles in the bottle of water
0: to drown the zombie, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was another Aesop fable. Yes, they were all zombie based now that mm-hmm. you think about it, yeah, right, like the sour grapes. You yep. know, I didn't want them anyway because the zombies were around them,
1: right, uh, and you could get infected because maybe or get... the
0: zombie that pulls the thorn out of the lion's paw. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that old Zen uh, Koan that or not Koan, but the old uh, Zen tale about the uh. Uh, the scorpion uh, asking the zombie for a ride across the creek. No,
2: no, yeah. that's uh, Orson Welles.
1: Orson Welles made that up? Yep. I'll be damned.
2: He wrote a lot of his own stuff for The Third Man.
1: Oh, no shit.
2: And uh, that was one of the stories he came up with. And he says it as if it's an old yeah. fable. ah, uh, that's Orson Welles.
1: Damn. <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> can we just stop doing Chewing the Scenery and just do the Orson Welles crazy shit podcast?
0: I think so. We must do be a, every Orson week talk about out, out Orson Welles.
1: The human monster slash genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, eating entire chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, they were cooked, listeners. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to mislead you. <laughs> uh, so it Stains cool. the Sands Red. Uh, looks really good. It's a different take. I don't know if it's an allegory about uh, the male gaze or relentless pursuit of males um, after women, but so he's a stalker, you know, it seems like he's, yeah, some sort of stalker or some sort of, uh, um, uh, I don't know. Uh, what, what can you say? He's a guy that doesn't give up mm. and he's wearing a suit. So it's a rom-com pretty much. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, th- there's a lot of funny, entertaining things. And, uh, her, uh, it Stains the Sand Red. I think it's sands, plural, but okay. you'll find it either way. Right. Yeah, it's it's really worth it. a look. I enjoyed it. Um, Will, if you want to watch it, we can talk about it next week. Okay. Um, we're going to give and the week off uh, because happy 20th anniversary, Jolien and Emily. Yay. How do you do it?
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> She's uh, above my level but she doesn't realize it <laughs> well there you go just don't tell her there you go gypsy curse <laughs> that's yeah. what it was
0: i'm not saying who's cursed what the curse exactly did but gypsy curse oh,
1: that makes sense to me <laughs> uh, orson wells actually wrote all of those gypsy curses uh-huh mm-hmm. you know they weren't really gypsy fables at all so julian you want to take a
2: um, Take a moment. You got any others? Yeah. You yeah. Got, yep. You got a list. Go ahead. All uh, right. So I watched uh, Ninja Go the movie. How uh, was it? Don't bother. Pretty dull. Unfunny. Tedious. In jokes. Mm. Uh, Lego jokes. In jokes. Uh, well, oh, sorry. Like um, Ninja Go in jokes. Yeah, not so much Ninja Go, but like stuff that you think you know, kids aren't going to get that. Hmm. Yeah. So,
1: is it there for the adults to enjoy, like when they make a a, a Scarface reference in a cartoon? Yeah, th- things like
2: that. It's like um, kids think- love Scarface. I, you know, God, when I-, I was actually drawing NinjaGo, I put in in jokes, like I I did all those references, those Slint references for you, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, um But they're incidental. They're background things. Yeah, and they're there. You know, hopefully, to amuse mostly to amuse myself, but of course, yeah, you can read through the story and not notice them, and, and, and it and doesn't it's matter, fine. Yeah. But if a, if a story just keeps stopping for some cute in joke, mm, yeah, it's just cul de sac after cul de sac of like, oh. uh, yeah. <clears throat> so, so
1: let, let let any listeners who don't know this know why you are especially connected to um, Lego Ninja Go.
2: Oh, well, I used to draw the comic books, all right, before it. And nowadays it's not they don't even credit an artist it's like this studios of computer yeah generation um, machine makes them uh, yeah but I, I knew the uh, uh, when, when I you know when I was drawing in Ninja Girl I'd be invited to uh, San Diego Comic Con and so I met the writers who actually did the TV show which was pretty funny yeah uh, they're, they're, and they wrote the original Lego movie which oh, was re- okay. which is really good uh, but then they got kind of sidelined. Mm. Uh, then finally, the Ninja Go movie came out, and it's it's written just... by a machine. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> just uh, yeah. It's just... And they even like um, when I did the first book, uh, I did this promotional poster, and it was in the style of the End the Dragon poster by uh-huh. Bob Peak, but with the Ninja Go characters. Yeah, and in the movie, they do that same gag. But with like uh, they just have Lego characters playing the various Into the Dragon characters and a poster which is up in uh, Lloyd's bedroom.
0: Oh. Um, hmm.
2: And I know for a fact that the writers that they bought the poster off me at the show, and they had it up in their office. and it's just, Hmm. Uh, anyway, it's it's an obvious joke, so you know I'm not saying they ripped me off. It's a, yeah, really well, obvious, I, um, obvious thing to do for a martial arts I, gag, I'm, you know.
1: I'll say it. They ripped you off and they didn't pay you. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, send me a backup truck to my house and give me lots of money, please.
1: Uh, wh- 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 how about exposure? Would that work for you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Major credits, you know. Yeah. This gag was supplied by. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, another one I wouldn't recommend is uh, Incarnate from 2016, uh, directed oh. by Brad Payden, who did um, he did San Andreas... Yeah. Which, which was really fun. Was it and, that, uh, the disaster movie? Yeah, disaster worked? movie with The Rock. Yeah. And then he's, and then this year he's got Rampage, which is the giant monster movie with The Rock.
1: Oh. Uh,
2: and I really enjoyed San Andreas, but this one, uh,
1: which one? was pretty
2: dull. Incarnate. So he's got Aaron Eckhart as this uh, psychic who does exorcisms, although he says don't call it exorcism. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he's got David Mazouz, you know, Kid Batman. Uh he's he's good. I mean uh he was in, he was also in this horror movie called The Darkness. Um <clears throat> but it's it's a mess.
0: I think I watched that one for
2: Halloween. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those like, oh I have seen this, even though yeah. it's only a year old. Yeah, uh, I think I watched that one. It sounds very familiar. Yeah. Um so not not a big recommend that. Also, The Undertaker and his pals, nineteen sixty seven, directed mm-hmm. by Dave Graham. Um, I'd wanted to see this for ages. It, you know, it gets mentioned in Psychotronic and it's got this excellent poster for it. It's kind of woodcut style illustrations. Oh, nice.
1: And uh, the uh, the Misfits made reference to it. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. It, so it kind of looks and feels like a Herschel Gordon-Lewis comedy. Okay. Uh, you know, like 2000 Maniacs or something. Yeah. Uh, really horribly unfunny. <laughs> uh, it's like, so for the first murder, there's this, the, the woman's got this... Photo of her sailor boyfriend on her bedside cabinet, and like the and you can guess like in the course of the murder, the photo keeps changing expressions. Oh, that's great! Oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, that's about the level it, it works at. Yeah, I mean it's fun to see like you know sixty seven low rent Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, and it, but this is about like a, an undertaker and two cafe workers who want to drum up business business for their respective Mm-hmm. Businesses. So uh hmm. they get meat and he gets a body. Right. Um so yeah, it's a black black comedy, but I didn't not really but not it on that funny one. no.
1: So would you rather fight <laughs> uh two thousand uh duck sized maniacs or one maniac sized duck?
2: <laughs> hmm. Maniac sized duck.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah.
2: You've gotta got get enough sauce to go with it. <laughs> that's right <laughs> alright uh, back to uh, oh, let's see uh, The Night Visitor that's really good that's coming out on Blu-ray later this year this is from 1971 uh, Laszlo Benedict. it's uh, Max von Sadao okay he plays this prisoner and really early on I'm not spoiling it he's 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 imprisoned in prison and an asylum on this bleak edge of uh, Sweden but he can get out somehow hmm. and he's gonna take revenge and you find out what's what he's taking revenge for in the course of the story. But uh yeah it's it's really ingenious. Uh Henry oh, okay. Mancini soundtrack. Great. Uh, filmed in Sweden and Denmark. It's got Liv Orman, Trevor Howard, Andrew Keir. Huh. Uh, so Liv Ullmann's Orman's another <clears throat> you know, she she'd been in, in yeah Karl Bergman movies as well. Um but yeah it, it's got a great twist ending. It's it's, it's really good. The Night Visitor. Night Visitor, yeah. Um, Excellent. uh, Killer's Moon, 1978. This is like a trashy British movie, British horror movie. This is like um, when of Hammer was in its death throes and there was like these young directors who were like trying to make modern day horror movies and go for real sleaze. uh, uh, Without the frilly shirts. (laughs) Yeah. Well, sometimes they have frilly shirts too, but it was the 70s. Uh, like Pete Walker, <clears throat> he did a whole bunch of movies. Um, but this is directed by uh, Alan Birkenshaw. And uh, some of the dialogues is written by Faye Weldon, but uh, anonymously. Really? Uh, Alan Birkenshaw is the director of such greats as uh, Confessions of a Sex Maniac. Hmm. Anyway, um, so this is kind of a, a British version of I Drink Your Blood. Okay. As these four uh, guys who escape an asylum and they're kind of dressed like droogies. Um, and they, uh, and then there's also a coachload of schoolgirls who get stuck at this house out in the Lake District, and uh, it all comes together, and uh,
0: they have a wonderful time.
2: Yeah. So the escapees, and not only are they uh, questionable sanity, they're also tripping balls all the time because right. the 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 doctors have been experimenting with LSD, so that they <laughs> they put them into the state where they're they're in a dream and they can act out their desires but they are awake but they think they're dreaming okay so they they're doing the worst things they can think of because they know they're just acting out yeah but they're not um did you understand what i just said yes yeah. <laughs> yeah okay uh there's a three-legged dog in it played by hannah um uh really good um mm-hmm. and uh one of the campers uh, the hero guy pete He's he's uh, he. I think he's supposed to be from Colorado. Huh. The, the actor is actually Canadian. He's played by Anthony Forrest, who's Canada, also Canada,
0: Colorado. It's all the same. in <laughs> Britain.
2: The previous year, he was in Star Wars. Oh, as the stormtrooper who gets mind tricked. Oh, did I tell you about the time I did the Jedi mind trick on somebody?
1: Yeah, I no, did. I, okay. I, I'm not sure you did.
2: <laughs> I went to the Star Wars costume exhibit. Oh yeah! there's a big show in 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 town where i had all all these amazing costumes yeah and uh you get you know you buy tickets and then you get let in in batches according to a ticket and we were at the front of the line and there's this woman there and she was like scanning our tickets the scanner wouldn't take so she was like questioning whether we could get in or not yeah so just just as a joke i went i just waved my hand in front of her face went you don't need to see our tickets and she just let us through Hey, wow. all right. Wow, I like that. <laughs> it's great. great. Um, anyway, there's some cat docking in it. Um, there's a uh, there's really horrible, obvious change from location to set. It's <laughs> supposed to be it's 10 out on the moors, and it's like, mm, why are people's voices echoing all of a sudden? Oh, man. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't really recommend but uh, I mean, if you want to see some trashy... British horror from the late 70s. There you go. I think so. Um, Yeah, Killer's Moon. Uh, Shall I do another one? Sure, go ahead. Uh, I saw a cartoon, Frankenstein Jr. and The Impossibles. I thought I need to see more Frankenstein I hadn't seen before. Right. Frankenstein Jr. and The Impossibles, Hanna-Barbera cartoon from 66. So this is sandwiched in between uh, some other uh, cartoon as a package. Um, So you've got uh, Professor Conroy and his son Buzz and their robot, Frankenstein Jr., who's voiced by Ted Cassidy. Yeah. Uh, It's kind of like a giant robo sort of feel, this kid flying around in his big robot. Um, And then, uh, so the episode I watched was The Shocking Electrical Monster, where Dr. Shock turns Igor into a big electrical monster. Ah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, uh, Beyond Skyline. I don't know
1: it. I don't know this one do at all. Do you remember all. Skyline?
2: I'm not sure I do. It was this. Uh, so it, it, it was an alien invasion. Yeah, advertised right? this kind of alien invasion thing, but mm-hmm. then it all takes part place in this apartment where these people are trapped. Yeah, Los Angeles, I think. And so it's kind of like people were really frustrated by it. So the people who made this wanted to make the movie that you wanted to see in the first one. Oh, okay. where it goes from? Uh, it takes the the humans get into the spacecraft, and then they uh, they uh they get mixed in with the alien processing systems so they get kind of uh you know they they get these like super suits and powers and stuff and they can take on the aliens mm. uh so it's got lots of spectacle to it it's also got Ico oasis in it who from the raid series who I'm really always pleased to see him uh, frank grillo is the hero uh antonio fargas is is in it
0: mm. i don't know him uh huggy bear oh okay
1: yeah, uh, I know who that is.
2: But, you know, this is, as, as usual, there's an ethnic order of victims. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, so back to uh, Shudder. Uh, Tenderness of the Wolves, 1973. Don't the know ben that one. Lerner. This is directed by Uli Lomel, who was in the um, uh, Rani Werner Fassbinder... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, team he is one of his actors. But this is his directorial effort. Uh it's kind of an art movie about an actual killer. Um uh there's a guy, um uh Fritz Harman. Uh he's played in the movie by Kurt Raab, um who also wrote the movie. Um so if you've seen uh uh M, Okay. Yeah. That's partially based on Fritz. Harman. Yeah. Uh, Fritz Hartmann was a guy who he seduced uh, young guys who were turning up in the city in the like uh, <clears throat> in the teens and twenties in Germany. Oh. Then, like, the economy was just like collapsed just chaos. Yeah. And so you have these incredibly vulnerable people turning up in the city looking for work, and he just kill them. You know, easy pickings, and and yeah. so yeah, and then he chop them up and sell their meat sell their meat (laughs) he wasn't actually convicted of cannibalism but you know he'd go in and then meat would come out Mm -hmm. and the neighbors would be grateful because they're all hungry yes and so i don't i I suspect there wasn't a great motivation to find out if he was a cannibal or not because
0: a lot of people ate that yeah
2: yes um
1: they're happier not knowing
2: yeah uh it tastes just like spam It's not really that gory, particularly, you know, given what actually happened. Right. Uh, The the blurbs in Shudder can be pretty misleading sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes they just give away too much plot. I've I've learned not to read them.
1: Yeah. You can look at how many skulls they rate it. Yeah. But then, you know, if you read what everyone chimes in, like, I I look at some of them where it's like a bunch of four and five skull reviews, and then there'll be like zero or one or Mm -hmm. whatever the low... My favorite one I ever read was somebody who just wrote, "Meh, (laughs) fuck you, don't write anything."
2: But it's not the not the reviews, the actual like the blurbs they give. Yeah, yeah, sometimes they just give away too much. Yeah, you don't want to read that. Um, This one, King Kong Giant Eight, it it says like it's got (laughs) lots of violence and gore in it, but not not really. Uh, Or not, you know, given what actually happened, it's not. No one. Yeah, there's a
0: couple on there on Shutter that are like. Shockingly violent, right? Right, says the you know Houston Free Weekly or whatever. Yeah, like, who a, what is this? Yeah, Salt Lake
2: City review or something. Yeah, like. yeah. Um, beautiful photography. It's, it's, it's this is kind of neo expressionist. It's like it's kind of as if the people who made horror movies in the 20s were making a color movie, yeah. Mm. Um, and it, uh, it's kind of kind of an uncertain time to it because you realize it, it's set in contemporary, so like 70s. Germany, but yeah. Uh the the buildings they use are so old. Hmm. few old. Um yeah, and, and uh, Fritz Harman, he's also known as the vampire of Hanover yeah. and the Wolfminch and the butcher mm-hmm. of Hanover. So yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, so um he killed uh at least twenty he was convicted of twenty four. But it could be way more than that. Uh and he his method of killing them was to uh, bite out that Adam's apple
1: mm. wow yeah well, that'll take care of you right then and there
2: yeah so there's several films about him but um, yeah
1: yeah you would bleed out so quick
2: <laughs> um, all right uh, trouble every day in 2001 it's directed by Claire Dini uh, this has got uh, Vincent Gallo and British style and music by Tindersticks. sticks uh, so a newlywed couple fly, and they pass over Denver, and they go to Paris. And they're, they're ostensibly on a honeymoon, but he's actually looking for a doctor because he's, he's got some kind of condition.
1: Wow. Emergency. Um, so they didn't just honeymoon in Denver? Why not? <laughs>
2: um, Pot wasn't legal yet. Yeah, this is back in 2001. <laughs> yeah, so that makes days. sense. Yeah. Uh, so he's got something wrong with his sex drive. And uh, there's a, there's a doctor who's in Paris, whose wife has got something strange going on with her, but uh, uh, she can get it on all right. But then something nasty happens to her oh. partners afterwards. Mm. And she needs to be locked up when he's out. Anyway, uh, don't read the synopsis and shadow it gives away way too much. Okay, okay. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of elliptical and cool tone to it so it kind of comes on as all arty but if you pass out the plot it's really pretty silly <laughs> um, and this played at uh, Cannes and this really freaked out people, <laughs> I think it must have freaked out people who weren't used to horror movies so they, Yeah, because uh, Claire Denis she, she'd made a bunch of art movies so people were pretty comfortable going in and seeing her movies mm, right? and then this this happens and it, it, it gets pretty nasty and there is a lot of blood in it And there's a lot of blood in it pretty early on. So if they stayed around for the when it gets really bad at the end, more fool them because it tells you it's going to go there. Oh. Um, Okay. Uh, The Hellstrom Chronicle, 1971. Don't know that one. Sounds familiar, but Uh, Ed Spiegel. So this is this kind of it's kind of an eco horror Mondo movie. Okay. Kind of phase Four meets Fantasia sort of thing.
0: Something's on fire.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, wow,
0: right down fourteenth there. So
2: you've got this Professor Niels Hellstrom, who who, and the documentary follows him, and he's warning mankind about how insects are kind of take over. Okay. Especially in the event like of the a, bees. a third world war. Yeah. But this is like from seventy one, so it predates with those killer bee movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's got a psych soundtrack by Lalo Schifrin and it's got brilliant like micro photography uh, in it and it got the Oscar for uh, it got 1972 Academy Award for Best Documentary but it's not a documentary it's a (coughs) mono movie Uh, (laughs) Professor Hellstrom is actually an actor named uh, Lawrence Pressman Uh, so it it just shows you this footage of insects uh, insects at war insects killing animals animals you know ant wars and things like that uh and he, he comes out these r- ridiculous lines like uh it's like a battle of gruesome robots <laughs> uh, my favorite one was um as a scientist i'd very much like to have been on hand during the first seven days of creation
1: oh, Right.
2: Okay. um
1: so battle this, of gruesome robots is a great name for a band
2: yeah so this is like a nature documentary narrated by uh kevin mccarthy from invasion of the body snatchers nice <laughs> instead of david Attenborough, you know yeah if you just played blue planet or something with some guy going the dolphins are gonna get us
1: oh it's great
2: uh but uh yeah it's um it is amusing and the photography is great but you have to see a lot of creatures getting mangled mangled uh, Pardon my murder on the Orient Express. Oh, oh. the new one. Yeah, how was it? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a bit stiff. I, I really like the seventies version, but this right. one is like it's it, it, so. Uh, uh, you don't. It, it's got an amazing cast, but you don't get to see much of them because most of it's about Poirot. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, the other thing is, it's filmed in several countries. But it just feels like the whole thing is in a green screen stage. Everything's looks so mm. filtered through pixels yeah. and stuff. Which just, mm. Mm. Uh yeah, I wasn't I wasn't that keen on that one. Uh, um I don't think anyone was. they made a ton of money. Yeah. And they're gonna the next one's gonna be Death and the Nile uh, Pardon My Death in the Nile. Pardon my death. <laughs> um League of Gods. Uh that's a good uh Chinese fantasy movie. Quanhuai. Uh so this is based on the fifteen fifties novel, uh Feng Shin Yi. Uh this has got a really amazing cast in it as well. Um uh uh Fun Bing Tony long Angela Baby, Jet Li. Um and this is like part one of a epic thing. Uh, it's just like constant and again it's lot lots of C G yeah. but uh I think like uh recent Chinese films have it's like yeah it looks artificial but it it's, uh, it's kind of painterly and yeah like uh, just doesn't try to be well I mean, they do try to be realistic and to a certain extent but it's like you know yeah so it's got with strange creatures in it like one of the uh, one of the one of the regular characters is magic grass <laughs> which is this is this like cyclopean plant that lives in his pouch and gives him advice and things wow uh, it's kind of exhausting. It just keeps coming at you with like <laughs> nutty ideas and stuff. It's kind of like, uh, do you remember Jew Warriors from the eighties, early eighties? No. no, How about no.
1: H.R. Puffin stuff?
2: <laughs> if you if you <laughs> H.R. Puffin stuff really cranked up, uh, just in your face, wild ideas. Yeah. Uh, all right, Night the Devils, nineteen seventy two, Giorgio Ferroni. This was disappointing because he did Miller the Stone Women from nineteen sixty, which is really good. Okay. Have you seen that I've one?
0: I've not seen that one. I've heard of this one. Is yeah. This one on Shudder?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh Night of the Devils. Uh it's got uh it just kicks off, you think, Oh, this is gonna be pretty cool. You go straight into like full frontal nudity, maggots in a putrid skull, face blown off, evisceration. That's like yeah. the first couple yeah, of minutes. Okay. And then it just slows down. Mm. So you realise it's uh it's a feature length version of uh the verdlacks story, the Tolstoy story oh. which had uh, done in Black Sabbath is one of the short stories Then it's the one with uh, Boris Karloff plays a role in it oh okay so you've got this like uh, family out in the country and uh, there's some kind of curse on them yeah uh, it's uh, you know it's got a nice soundtrack and stuff but it's it just really slow going for about an hour or so until mm. until things get, get really grim yeah uh, and it kind of settles for the grindhouse stuff, like the tits and gore, you know, after taking yeah. so much time and trying to be Arty. like a, yeah, like a mature movie, it just gets down to the grabby stuff at the end. Mm. Uh, so it kind of um, tries to have it both ways. Have you, Darn. Got, have you got any more?
1: Uh, just one more for me. Uh, well, two technically, one of them was a television thing, but uh, I did see Ladybird. And I liked it. It was about a quirky girl in high school who uh, wants to kind of be it's herself. A young Lady Bird Johnson, right? You know, I was hoping it would be, but it wasn't. <laughs> no, but uh, she I don't know if she said how she chose her name, but she chose Lady Bird instead of I think her name was supposed to be Christine. Yeah, actually, it says it right here in this blurb. Uh, she's a high school senior from the wrong side of the tracks and quotes. She longs for adventure, sophistication, and opportunity, but finds none of that in her Sacramento Catholic high school. So the movie follows the title character's senior year in high school, including her first romance, her participation in the school play, and most importantly, applying to college. So uh, it just sort of follows the character along, and it's it's, a, it's just 90 minutes of her filling out applications. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and chewing gum. and No, it's a, it, it's, it's a pretty adorable movie as far as that goes. I mean, it, it, it knows what it is, but it's not pretentious. If I can say that and still tell people it's worth a look, then cool. But uh, it's a period piece set in 2002. So that's kind of interesting because it's a very just... Just post 9 11 world. Um, and that's referenced a few times. Uh, you know, everybody's still kind of Those recovering. Poor
0: fuckers had no idea what was in store for them.
1: They sure didn't. <laughs> the mummy, 2017. <laughs> it, it was
0: 15 years away. <laughs> <laughs> they had no idea.
1: and something else I can't really think of what it was but you know there's other things that were bad that have happened since anywho uh, yeah it's it's pretty cool Um, interesting to see the way these things are portrayed I really enjoyed that one that was set in Pittsburgh that was called uh, The Perks of Being a Wallflower that was I want to say set in like 96 or 98
0: maybe something like that yeah. yeah
1: and then Adventureland was another one about the kids working in a theme park during like the late eighties or early nineties. I like those movies because I look for the details. Like I don't need to bust them on what they got wrong, but I want to see what they got right and how they land it. Because like, there's this kid who's in a cool like alternative band in lady bird. And the girl thinks he's pretty cool. Like right when she sees the band. And I think here's this kid doing it right. You know, that's the kind of high school band you should have. And, uh, it was kind of cool just to just see that, you know, well, as far as characters that don't have their shit together, he kind of looks like he does, you know, more so than the ones around him. But he doesn't either. So, you know, that's because they're kids. That's because they're all 17 or so, uh, which, you know, no shame in that. Just, you know, you got some growing up to do and some you got to take your lumps but this is the beginning of people getting ready to go out in the world and take their lumps. And, uh, just like that other movie, I Tanya, this woman has a horrible mom. (laughs) So yeah, in a way, I mean, they're, they're all trying their best on one hand and then they're kind of awful on another. So, Mm. uh, totally worth a look. All right. Yeah. So, uh, that, and then, um, most recently, because I got a bunch of stuff DVR'd from having been gone for five or six days, uh, to go do the comic con thing. Um, one of the more recent X-Files where it's about technology and its pervasiveness and its relentlessness and its Snoopy nosiness, uh, it's called black mirror. It see, I thought the same thing when I was watching it. I'm thinking they're going straight up black mirror on this. Uh, I do like the fact that they're pretty critical of the current administration. Uh, you saw
2: this episode, right?
0: No, I've not watched any X Files.
1: Oh, uh, when when Mulder gets locked up. Of... I
0: was like X Files. No, no, it, thank it's, you. It's a
2: good series. This one.
1: Yeah,
0: really, I, I like, really this, like one. this
1: one. Well, it starts where there. My in... loss.
0: <laughs> I'm not gonna watch it.
1: <laughs> Will's a real hard case mm. for our listeners who haven't picked up. I'm having that. a. Hard, I'm
0: <laughs> I'm debating whether or not I want to watch Twin Peaks.
1: Oh yeah, I'm about 13 episodes into that. And I'm still not sure.
0: Yeah. And Dana Gould didn't sound like he cared for it.
1: (laughs) Well, he said in general about David Lynch, it's like, well, unlike David Lynch, it has an ending. I think is what he said about something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess in a way that's true. A lot of times Lynch just goes, ta-da. But, uh, this, this particular X-Files episode, uh, you'll notice some things where they're being critical, you know, just little, little subtle jokes. Like, uh, when Mulder, uh, is locked out of his uh, bank card <clears throat> it's bigly credit mm. i don't know if you saw that mm-hmm. on the screen yep. yeah yeah <clears throat> there's a lot of little things like that but uh yeah it's it's interesting their take on the whole thing you know it did feel very black mirror though i enjoyed it i recommend it uh that's all i got um i feel like there might be oh yeah i watched about Thirty minutes of that Chris Rock stand-up special that's on Netflix, and I was so tired in Seattle, I just conked out. Mm. It looked like it was pretty funny so far.
0: It looked funny. Yeah, people were laughing. People were laughing. That's enough, right?
1: Yeah. Chris Rock was saying Chris Rock stuff, and the audience was laughing. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, all right. I was tired. Uh, Will, do you have anything else? Uh, I watched a couple horror movies. Um, I watched. Um, a really terrible one on Comet called Curse of the Swamp Creature. Oh, oh. yeah. From the late 60s, early 70s, I'm mm. guessing. Guy who's experimenting in the Everglades. Uh, there's a swamp creature. Hmm. I believe he has a curse.
2: Sounds about right. Uh with ping pong balls in his eyes yep
0: yep you've seen it <laughs> mm-hmm. you've seen it it's a big bald guy who plays a woman at the end because yeah anyway huh. um check it out I've watched it twice now
1: <laughs> that good not huh? all
0: the way through either time but
1: and it wasn't an MST3K
0: no it's wow. just fun. they play they play the same movies a lot they wow. kept playing Haunted, Haunting in Connecticut really yeah, which is not very good. It didn't look I good would avoid ear. that. Um then we watched uh a jalo called uh, torso. Murder uh, Seven Murders in a Cat's oh, yeah, Eye. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Jane Birkin. Yeah, yep, Jane Birkin. Uh which is why we tuned in. Okay. Uh she's okay. Um Yeah, it was jallowy.
1: Yeah. There were leather gloves, there was a knife. Uh, Scantily clad women screaming, getting killed. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. The huge. Some bumbling detective who finally figures something out.
0: It had a pretty good twist I didn't see. Well, I didn't see the twist coming. I don't know how good it was, but (laughs) I didn't guess who the killer was.
1: Well, that's good.
0: Um, Then we watched one called, I believe, An Invitation to a Murder or An Invitation to a Death, Hmm. which is a 1971 film about a witch coming back and killing the people who wronged her 300 years ago. Interesting. We watched a movie from 1970 called Mark of the Witch, which was about a witch who comes back (laughs) after 300 years to get revenge on the people who wronged her
1: hey you ever see black sunday
0: <laughs> yes uh both of these films were pretty good they had problems i wish they had been combined somehow hmm. i think it would have been a really good film but uh i like witchy horror films yeah,
1: yeah we need more of those
0: yeah um then we've been watching the series called Berlin babylon
1: what's that about
0: it's about a uh vice detective in 1929 berlin huh uh, before all the shit hits the fan
1: you mean the nazis uh,
0: yes um you
1: ever watch hunting hitler
0: no i never watched any hunting hitler it's pretty
1: fascinating
0: but uh they sure
1: make you believe that hitler escaped
0: Oh, is that the whole point of hunting Hitler? Then he's in Argentina? Or... Well, there's a
1: whole bunch of stuff in between the bunker in Argentina that would sure explain uh, how one could do it. Yeah. And it's like, well, why here would there be some underground uh, bunker or U-boat launching area or whatever with swastikas on the wall? Why would that be? You know, unless it was Nazis using it. So... It's interesting. It's, I didn't know that the show was that fascinating until it was just incidentally on the TV while I was changing channels or yeah turned the TV on. It was already on that channel. History, I think it is. And uh, I was like, oh, man, looks like they got some really interesting, compelling evidence here. And
0: then I, Yeah, I don't know if I'd trust anything on the History channel.
1: Well, it's not like it's Bigfoot. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but still, they're real heavy into Bigfoot. Yeah. I'm sure that <laughs> contaminates sort of like... everything. <laughs>
2: they have like Bigfoot and Hitler on the same kind of level, don't they?
0: Yeah, <laughs> they do. Ancient aliens, Nazis, Bigfoot—they're all in it together. I mm-hmm. tell you,
1: <laughs> it would make sense. It would explain a it lot. It
0: all makes sense. Yeah,
2: or something.
1: So uh, Hitler was a Bigfoot alien.
2: Yeah, there's that grainy footage of Bigfoot on the grass, you know. uh uh-huh. yeah. Shooting Kennedy.
0: That.
1: Why didn't he just go?
0: And then Bigfoot replaced Paul McCartney when he was killed <laughs> in the 60s. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Fake Paul has been around longer than real Paul.
1: You know, I kind of feel like fake Paul's done a good job.
0: Yeah, fake Paul's done all right.
1: Stop sweating him. Jesus. <laughs> you know, you can learn to play bass. That's hard enough. But learn to play left-handed? Yeah. And then the little chick. And then
0: write all those Beatles songs that were as good as before. Yeah. Uh, they did their work. Yeah. On fall.
1: Yeah. <laughs> False Paul.
0: False Paul. Fake Paul. Fall.
1: False McCartney. Yeah. God, that's another good fall band name. Fall McCartney. False McCartney. False McCartney. Damn. <laughs> Paul Mall McCartney. That be, Paul Mall McCartney. That would be another good band name. What else you got, Jolien?
2: <laughs> right. Uh, another Bela Lugosi movie, uh, Ninochka from 1939, directed by Ernst Lubitsch.
1: I've never I heard one. of this one.
2: Uh, so this is um, this is this stars Greta Garbo and Melvin Douglas, and this is this is the story of uh, Greta Garbo. Uh, there's this, like three um, uh, ambassadors come over from Soviet Russia and uh, to to Paris, mm-hmm. and uh, they become seduced by the decadent Western ways, and and then she's sent over to get you know pull them back in line and then oh. and then she meets melvin douglas who's this suave american uh they they fall in love so this is like uh this later became a musical and that was filmed as silk stockings okay which which stars peter Laurie as well wow. as fred astaire and centuries of course but um so it, I, I was watching it it's a great film it's a classic yeah um but uh uh I was watching it and thinking, did did the Soviets ever make movies about Americans coming over to Moscow and getting seduced by the wonderful you know, disciplines of communism or something?
1: <coughs> that's a good, hmm, that's, a good wondering. that's
2: a good question. I mean, I'm ignorant of such.
1: I would like to see a modern take on that. <laughs> you know? I think that could be interesting. <laughs>
2: Uh, all right, uh, back to the horror. Uh, Les Démoniaques, uh, Jean Roland, 1974. Uh, there's a couple of women who survive of being, there's wreckers operating off the coast of Normandy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the two survivors, These, of course, it's a pair of women because it's the Jean Roland movie. Sure. Now, uh, raped and robbed by the wreckers, uh, they, they meet up with a clown who takes them to the devil and he gives them... Widgie powers to take revenge on the records. Wow, story as old as time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like the clown bits. Um, too much rape, not enough revenge. Is my note. Ah. <laughs> oh. uh, uh, I think with genre land movies, I like looking at the stills more than I like watching the movies. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, women negligee wandering around ruins at night. I mean, it looks great as a still photo. Mm-hmm. but then when you watch the movie you think ooh that's cold mm-hmm. they had to get wet as well and be thrown around in rocks and sand and stuff yeah it's like, oh. it's like it Orgy just, of the Dead yeah it's just the least erotic thing <coughs> I can think of uh, Autopsy uh, this is a giallo starring Mimsy Farmer who's in uh, Four Flies and Grave*. oh okay Ray Lovelock who's in um, uh, Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue okay uh Morricone soundtrack. Oh so classic nice. ingredients. Not yeah. that good. No. Uh, so it's not
1: as uh it's not as great as the sum of its parts.
2: No. Uh there's, there's like a Suicides in Rome, uh which, which is signaled by solar flares. Hmm. And uh but they might not be suicides. Hmm. Uh in this movie uh you, she she's uh she works in an autopsy unit uh so you get a lot of you know handing around various meaty parts in there uh and there's photos of actual victims of pretty violent looking deaths uh there's there's just too many jump cuts to generate a consistent atmosphere in this one i think uh she's very good uh and the opening scene is definitely memorable because she's, like, working in in the lab and they've got this, like, big hallway and there's so many bodies coming in that everyone's busy working on these bodies. And she starts freaking out and uh, she just has these hallucinations where she, the bodies seem to be, like, first winking at her and then they get up and they start dancing and having sex with each other and... Ew. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's the best bit. <coughs> anyway, um... Oh, you always know, reasonable, for uh Macabre, aka Demonoid, which is also on Shadow. Is that the, yeah. Mex- the Mexican film? Alfred Zacharias. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have you seen it? Uh, no. It's uh, it's <clears throat> uh, one of those disembodied hand movies. Uh.
1: It's, it's got a great poster.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, in this case, you have got Samantha Eger from The Brood. Uh-huh. Uh, she finds an evil hand in Guanajuato So uh. You see, like the uh, the gallery with half of the mummies.
0: Yeah,
2: <clears throat> Stuart Whitman is this Irish priest, and uh, uh, special effects art direction credited to Bob Burns. Oh, anyway, so this uh, hand is like satanic-powered thing that follows her to Los Angeles. When it when it gets to Los Angeles, the continuity kind of goes out the window. Yeah, but, mm. uh, oh, it's it's just entertaining.
1: Because the filmmakers were all getting messed up when they got to L.A. Uh,
2: it just feels like they, they just didn't have the time or and or license to film there I was for very say. long. So they just like got it, you know, whatever the time of day looks like. We'll just cut it all together. and nope, I, I, No no permits. No one notices. Uh, and then House of Whitcourt, 1974. This is a Pete Walker film. So I think I've now seen all Pete Walker's films. Uh, do you know? Are you familiar with him? I don't think no, so. He's is, so. is, is, is this British horror director in the 70s who did these uh, they're very Catholic movies, the very... Um, it's kind of sick, sleazy, uh, fear of sex. Oh, that's too bad. Uh, lots of British repression in them. This hmm. one is really creepy. I think this is my favourite of his. So you've got... It's kind of a reversal of uh, films like Taristas, where you have like some Westerner going to a foreign country. In this case you've got this French girl who's come to England. Okay. And then she gets pulled in into this uh what turns out to be the secret prison. Oh. Uh which has been run by these this kind of moral majority kind of people. Is there's these elderly people who don't like the uh, moral decline of the country. So they're if they find girls who've gotten away with things they don't like in the newspapers, yeah. they send this handsome guy out. He brings them back. He's, he's the son of one of these women. He brings them back and then they get jailed. <coughs> then the senile old judge who's presiding over them thinks that they're being reformed and then sent out. But mm. the women who run the prison are actually giving them three... They give them three grades of punishment. Mm-hmm. So first they get whipped. Uh, first they get solitary, then they get whipped, and then third they get hung. So, unbeknownst to the judge, they're getting, no one gets out. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, this French girl ends up in there and uh, it's got a really creepy, repressive atmosphere. And this is the first movie he did with Sheila Keith as playing one the wardens. She is so spooky. Hmm. Oh. Uh, she was known for doing lots of British soap operas like Crossroads. Okay. But she has this amazing look to her. She's got these uneven eyes and she's got this kind of. Short white hair, very pale skin, and really dark eyes. <laughs> she's she just ugh. uh, yeah, she's really good in it. Um, uh, Dr. Jekyll and the Women, aka Blood Bound, the Dr. Jekyll. Is
0: this one <laughs> shatter? Know. Yeah, yeah, surprise! Yeah, uh,
2: this is from uh, Valerian Brassic. Uh, this has got Udo Iru- is as Dr. Jekyll, wow, completing his, yeah, your monster trilogy um and then Gerard Zuckberg as Edward Hyde uh Marina Pereira as Fanny Osborne Howard Vernon as Dr Lanyon and Patrick McGee as General Carew mm. um so this is kind of is kind of faithful to the book but compresses it into one night <coughs> and also it's got women in it which the book kind of yeah all the women are sidelined but this one that the woman is front and center and it's very much about um uh, Jekyll wants to be Hyde. He wants to unleash, you know, to hell with all the repressive Victorian values. Yeah. He wants to do whatever he wants. So he he gets into he he has this chemical he puts into a bath and it stains it red. So it's, it looks like a blood bath. And He gets in and he like goes through all this uh, torment and then he comes out as this other guy, different person, yeah. And then he he just. Uh, tortures rapes and kills everyone in the house
1: oh so he's like the invisible man but you can see him
2: and kind of in
1: the sense that the invisible man was a horrible person
2: yeah yeah so and the people are you know no one can get out of the house and for various reasons and uh yeah so it's quite interesting it's, it's kind of arty but you know, does tick all the boxes yeah there's, yeah. there's blood abreast galore um, all right yeah, so uh, yeah, I quite like that one. Okay.
1: Well, I guess the listeners are all caught up with everything we've watched.
2: So that's
0: Quite a p- bit.
1: That's pretty cool. So next time, Will, do you want to do It Stains the Sands Red? Sure. We'll do it.
2: All okay. right. I'll try and watch it too. <coughs> I'd also like to see Annihilation. Yeah, a- I'd like to plan see plan that on right one. Now.
1: Yeah. We'll plan that for the week after. Okay. All right, anything else?
0: Oh, I think that's it.
1: Well, thank you for listening, and stay off the moors.